Hello and welcome to AMM Conversation, the official podcast of the Association of Medical Media. I'm your host, Jason Karras. Season two of the podcast is exploring the new normal in medical media. In this episode, we're continuing our conversations around how medical media is coping, adapting, and excelling during this COVID-19 pandemic. Our panelists today are from Elsevier's Global Commercial Sales and Marketing Group. I have with me today Dennis Conlin, VP of Marketing for the Global Commercial Sales and Marketing Group, Alejandro Alvarez, Director of Business Development and Strategic Partners, who since January 2020 is working with his clients and partners specifically on content licensing, and Sumner Maring, a longtime veteran in medical media and one of the directors of commercial sales at Elsevier. Thanks for joining me, guys. Let's start the conversation. Dennis, we'll start with you. You know, this is a challenging time. What is the biggest challenge COVID-19 crisis has placed on uh, you and your team? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great question and a great spot to start. And, um, yeah, we, we had a little bit of a, a pre-call prior to this, um, truth be told. And uh, both Sumner and, my, and myself were aligned on kind of a, a key word that just jumped into both of our heads, and that was uncertainty. Um, and I think, you know, as we all know, basically this pandemic, it's been devastating on, on a huge amount of fronts. I mean, I was just looking today, we're now up to 5.5 million cases. There's over 350,000 deaths globally. Um, there's been an amazing amount of stress that's been placed on our health system and, and frontline workers, as everybody is aware. Um, not only that, but economically, we are definitively in a recession at this point. Unemployment numbers uh, hitting now 30 million in the U.S. Um, and you know we haven't seen this here since uh, the Great Depression, so um, it's certainly tough times. And and I think the biggest challenge is that we really at this point don't know what the full implications or impact of this pandemic are going to be. And that's not just us, but that's also our clients. Um, so the people that are coming to us with their challenges and looking for us to help solve them. Um, oftentimes, we're in a similar place where they are, where we just are unsure of the future, which is challenging. So it's challenging to you know, project where we're going to be. It's challenging to forecast where we think our revenues are going to be. Um, and, and like I said earlier, it's going to be challenging to predict what the lasting implications of, of the pandemic are. Um, now, all of this to say, right? Um, that this situation also presents a nice opportunity for us. Um, you know, it helps us raise the importance of credible content, um, whether that's based on kind of social media posts or um, kind of the misinformation that circles around us on a daily basis. Um, it allows us to put a focus and push for more expert-led curation across some of our products. Um, as doctors are more pressed for time, um, and we certainly feel like we're positioned well to do that. And then additionally, there's been a lot of technological advances that have now kind of really pushed the envelope more so or have accelerated their development faster than people probably thought before this, things like telemedicine. Um, so we feel like we're really positioned well in this situation. Um, but we're always looking to kind of become more well-integrated, to become more of a partner with our clients. Um, and we're looking forward to when, when this new normal just either changes or just becomes the regular normal so we can get back to uh, our typical day-to-day. -day. I think we all are. Yeah. Uh, 
with with travel restrictions, Sumner, you know, how have you had to adjust short term last couple of months, but also, you know, long term looking ahead? Yeah, no, that's been a big adjustment for I mean, the main thing that we try to pride ourselves in is in engaging customers, being close to our clients, being able to help meet their needs. And we're used to conferences where we get to shake a lot of hands and talk to a lot of folks up close. We're also used to in-person meetings that allows us to get to know our clients beyond just business. And now that we're limited to just the Zoom meetings and phone calls, uh, it's been a challenge, but it's also been an opportunity to see about how we can engage in a different way. Uh, as, as Dennis said, it is uncertain times. Some of our clients are still proceeding with their campaigns like they always have, and we thank God for them. Others are kind of in a pattern. They're waiting to see what may happen with the client in terms of approvals. And so for a sales rep, you know, it, it's not business as usual of just calling up, seeing about the next issue or what the next plan is. They may not know. And we've kind of taken upon ourselves to approach it a little differently. So see ourselves more as a resource. Uh, maybe the call is to be, how are you doing? Maybe the call is, how can we help support what you're doing? Uh, maybe the call talks about resources that we can provide that might be helpful to them. By the way, Elsevier has a great, uh, it's called a novel coronavirus information center. I recommend anybody to check this out. Tons of resources, 28,000 articles about coronavirus for professionals, for researchers, for students, you name it. So again, seeing ourselves as a resource and not just the sales arm, I think that's how we're adjusting to the change. Interesting. Alejandra, are you seeing budget cuts or reallocations? And uh, you know, if so, are there trends emerging by specialty or by delivery method, um, print versus digital, et cetera? A lot of this is certainly happening. Uh, there's a lot of change, a lot of shifting of budgets. Um, but we've been, we've been in close contact with our, our bigger clients, actually with all of our clients, in trying to figure out you know, where they are. Are they going to be cutting budgets or reallocating and so forth? So we're learning that there is definitely a shift to more digital, more, um, more trackable, more evidence-based uh, engagement that, that, uh, that our clients want to do. Uh, but uh, to that point, we're also seeing a lot of clients that are sticking to the tried and true print. Um, vehicles that we offer at Elsevier. And so uh, it, it's, it's tough really to say if there's a big shift, right? So we're seeing, we're definitely seeing some of it, uh, but, but uh, I, I don't think that uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tremendous shift that's any different from what was already happening uh, over the past couple of years uh, with, with the budgets and, and, and how they're being reallocated towards digital versus print. Yeah, I can kind of vouch for that. We've, uh trend from print to digital is kind of going on despite coronavirus. But there are, but to answer maybe the question about the reallocations, we have had some success stories where clients had planned to do advertising and dailies at a conference. There's no more conference. We've had clients that were doing a special issue at a conference. We've tried to come up with ways to channel that money now back to more general media so they can still get their message out to an audience even if they're not seeing them at a conference. And then on the cancellations, uh, it's, um, it's a mixed bag. You know, I'd have to say Farm has been a little more consistent with staying with their programs. Uh, the device market, especially in certain niches, has been hit pretty hard in terms of, you know, these physicians aren't even going to work. They're not 
and patients, elective surgeries are down, and a lot of those related areas, we're starting to see people cancel money or at least pause a until maybe the fall. Dennis, I, I'm guessing that you have something to do with digital engagement. You know, most in the industry and, and on our panel uh, last month, everyone across the board said that they'd seen at least medium to sharp increases in digital engagement, web, email, app, multimedia. Have you yeah. seen this similar increase? And if so, have you been able to capture some of that increase or monetize it? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think, yes, we have seen that sharp increase. Um, so prior to the call, just doing a little bit of due diligence um, in comparing um, same month, year over year, you know, looking at things, whether it's visits, visitors, or another measure that we use as a publisher is um, full text article consumption. And all of those elements are basically um, doubled, if not tripled. So um, it's been absolutely tremendous. Now, um, obviously, it depends on the specialty. It depends on the title. Um, and when you look at Elsevier's entire portfolio, which includes things like The Lancet or Cell Press or some of the other just general specialty-based titles, um, when you put all of those together, those numbers are um, gargantuan, right? But I'm talking about going from 10 million visits across the board to 21 million or full text articles, which, you know, in a typical month are 8 to 12 million um, or even, I guess, 14 million, which was what it was in 2019. Now that full text article consumption is up to 53 million. Um, and partly that's just, you know, doctors might have a little bit more time to consume that content. Um, some of um, the elements that you just brought up too with regard to open rates on emails improving a little bit. Um, all of that helps in terms of those levels. As far as monetization, um, yes, I mean, I think our field force is kind of out there as much as possible touting the fact that we do have now this additional level of impressions where those exist. Um, so I think we're trying to take advantage of having some of these major channels that are uh, we, that we know healthcare professionals are engaging with across our platform and trying to tout those and let our clients know that there are areas that now they can take advantage of or further push now that some of their traditional channels like face-to-face -face meetings with um, individual physicians are starting to be eliminated. When you talk about those large increases and surges, spikes in engagement, have you been able to decipher or segment, is that your typical typical users, regular users, or are a lot of those new users? That's a good question. Um, so we do see, um, you know, in typical kind of Google Analytics form, whether they are um, new or returning visitors. Um, so I would have to dig into that, to be honest, Jason, to see if it's um, something where it's totally new or if it's uh, a similar audience. My, my hypothesis would be um, with the level of engagement and reach that we currently have, it's not something where there are a lot of new individuals that are now consuming this content. Those people were already engaging across our platforms with that content to begin with. Um, the one kind of um, little difference I would say is as 
uh, Elsevier at large has started to make some of their assets, especially those that are COVID related, um, not necessarily open access, but free um, for the public to consume to kind of help push research forward. Um, there might be some um, more globalization of that or global uh, consummation of that content that we received than we received before. Um, but that would have to be something that I would have to confirm, to be honest. Yeah, we didn't get the splits on that by each special. So I'm sure the the COVID initiatives that we're they're driving and the content we're making available as part of that increase as well. Yeah. Um, and again, this might be a question. Again, this is a consumer question. You know, there's been reports and you know a lot of information coming from consumer marketing that you know email opens have surged, but click-throughs of those emails and sales conversions have pretty much remained steady. So people are kind of in this like I want to consume a lot more but it needs to be in bits and bytes. I don't want to be deeply engaged. Has that, has that been your experience? Yeah, I, I think from an email standpoint, so for us on, on the Elsevier side, as far as kind of converting to sales, right, that's not uh, necessarily our game. Um, you know, we are distributing a lot of emails to physicians, but for the purpose of, um, I guess, keeping them abreast of the latest information that's been published, right? So. Uh, if we look at e-table of contents alerts or um, you know similar types of uh, content pushes from our from our engine, if you will, um, yeah, I, I think those open rates have increased. Um, as far as the click through on those to certain stories, I think that has remained steady. Uh, but we do have a couple of platforms that um, are within the commercial sales group, like Practice Update where we're seeing increase in open rates as well as increase in the amount of content that's consumed. So it is, um, as more people are opening, obviously then they're clicking through on things that are relevant and important to them. Um, and when you look at, uh, again, kind of the end all, which is page view visits, uh, full-time article downloads, as, as I just was mentioning, some of those numbers are increasing too. So, um, you know, yes, yes and yes, I think, um, to also go back to one of the earlier comments I was making with regard to curation, I think a big part of this also is making sure that the content that we are pushing out isn't just more on top of more, right? Um, and again, some of our platforms like Practice Update who really pride themselves on utilizing experts within the field to select the most important articles um, and push those out to physicians so it doesn't become as much of an overwhelming aspect of their job and is more so informative. Um, I think we'll, we'll start to drive some other innovations internally or selections for those types of content for um, additional outreach. We'll be right back after a message from the Association of Medical Media. Hi, I'm Jess Campbell from the Association of Medical Media. We're thrilled you're listening to our new podcast series, AMM Conversation. Along with our podcast, AMM is pleased to host a variety of resources for our members, located within the Knowledge Exchange on ammonline.org. Among these member resources are presentations and recaps from previous educational sessions, and our Medical Media Matters fact sheets that cover key topics underscoring the value and importance of medical publishing. The AMM is proud to be there to support everyone through these difficult times, and while we wish we could gather in person as a community, 
For now, we hope you keep an eye out for our next virtual event. You can find out more, access our knowledge exchange, and become an AMM member by visiting ammonline.org. We're back with the team at Elsevier chatting about the new normal in medical media. Now let's get back to the conversation. Sumner, which department, group, or team has really surprised you the most during the health crisis? Yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, actually, I'm going to say it's really the production group, although I'm going to have a broader focus of when I say production. It, uh, I know a lot of terms being used a lot lately is the supply chain. But when you think about the supply chain of content that Elsevier is dealing with, what's been amazing me is that whether it's the authors or the editors or the reviewers or the pub setters or the copy editors, ad coordination down to production to manufacturing, even to invoicing and billing, we're still publishing all of our journals on time. We're still mailing out all our journals on time with full content like we always have despite a pretty disruptive market around us. And this supply chain is not just all in one spot. This is all over the world. And for most of these people that are in this chain of production, uh, sometimes they're all working from home now instead of working in an office. So I've been amazed by the fact that Elsevier has been very consistent in its publishing production. Alejandro, what uh, new ideas have your teams ideated and implemented that likely would not have been considered before this uh, health crisis? This is actually something we've been really excited about for a little while. So uh, Elsevier lives under the, the parent company Relics, right? So Relics is Reed Elsevier and LexisNexis. LexisNexis is uh, you know, an information company, information sources for business, for legal, for other things. And one of the things that LexisNexis uh, is involved in is in the healthcare space. and. Um, Last year, we came under the management of a gentleman that uh, managed the LexisNexis healthcare team uh, in the health markets group. And he said, you know, you should really start to talk to these guys. They've got a lot of information. I think you could, you could really partner with them to create some nice offerings. So we started to take a look at, at what they had. And what, what they do is they, they mine claims data. So they know exactly what doctors are doing where they're doing it, how much they're getting paid for. And it's based on all of that ICD-10, CPT code, so, so the diagnosis codes, procedure codes, uh, they have J codes for injectables and so forth. And so what we're able to glean from that information is exactly where doctors are, uh, what they're doing, uh, who are they being referred to by, it just, it's tons of information. And so we found out that they had a couple of offerings that they were working with pharma on, one of them called Market View and another called Early Alert. And in, 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 in a simplified version of it, what I can say is imagine that uh, a, a client has uh, a need to send their sales force into the doctors that are most recently seeing patients for the, for the, for the disease states that they treat. Uh, so they would tell the, the, the pharmaceutical company, hey, listen, uh, your, th this doctor in your target uh, group has just seen a patient for, for this disease state last week, you should send your rep in. Uh, and it's great information, right? So fantastic, but that's where it ended. Uh, but what we're able to do now as a partnership is we can say, we know what that doctor's doing, when he's doing it and where, let's layer on top of that information instead of just telling the pharma company, hey, go see this doctor and send your rep out. Now let's layer some content into that, into that equation that will help to push 
that doctor's education, his his treatment plan, his 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 prescription plan, whatever it is, it will help that doctor or will help this pharma company to push that 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 content to them. And 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 as Dennis mentioned earlier, we are the leading provider of content in medical content in the world, right? So we publish the the most medical content of any publisher in the world. Um, it, it doesn't hurt right now when you're, you know, we're, when we're seeing the Lancet uh, being mentioned uh, across the board. If you look at, if you actually look at the, at the Johns Hopkins map, the coronavirus map, there's one article listed there and it's a Lancet article, right? And then, you know, consistently in the news, you hear the Lancet, you know, uh, publish this, this, this research, et cetera. And so it, 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 it's just, I think it's, it's a really exciting prospect. We haven't we haven't fully vetted it yet, uh, so we're talking to clients right now about how we would do that. Uh, but we're very close to to a solution there, and it's I think that it's it's a unique situation, right? So I don't think that there's a lot of other publishers that have a sister company that has claims data, and I think uh, the same for them. There's a lot of data providers, but I don't think a lot of those data providers have a publishing company like Elsevier. It's very interesting, and I've heard that in in other. Uh, industries or even in just physicians, acceleration. Uh, this is a time for acceleration of new ideas or projects that may not have gotten uh, the the attention uh, previously. That with some of this downtime or you know different work environment, that you can do some of these things. And they, uh, is that kind of what's going on here? This this has been accelerated. So if you think about it, I think. Uh, I think it accelerates it, right? It makes it even that much more important because these reps aren't able to go out and see them. So before we were thinking, we'll give these reps content that will help them in their discussions with those doctors. But now that those reps aren't getting into seeing those doctors, those doctors are, you know, reps are a, a, a great uh, resource for these physicians, right? So for education purposes, for, for knowledge of what's out there to treat their patients with, uh, they're, they're a tremendous resource and now they don't have them. Um, and it goes back to the idea of why so many people are now opening more email because they, they're, they're thirsty, they're hungry for information, right? But the more you can do to kind of curate and, and narrow that focus for them, understanding what a doctor does and being able to push the right content to them in a timely fashion becomes that much more important today, right? And so there's, there's tons of content out there and we can just, we, and the content keeps growing, right? We see those numbers every, you know, once in a while, somebody will mention how many terabytes or whatever there are of content out there and it keeps growing. Uh, but we just can't keep dumping more and more content on these guys, right? They're, they're now going to be pressed to have less time to spend with their patients, less time to educate themselves about the disease states that they're treating. So let's, let's help them find the right information for them at the right time. Yeah, I kind of see it as maybe twofold. There's that first step that we've taken in terms of targeting. We want to be able to target these physicians based on their script writing behavior. But this whole idea of contextual relevance to me is kind of like the next, the next thing to capture in that marketing plan. It's great that we're targeting them, but what if we could target them and also provide them with contextual information or content that they care about this week? Uh, to me, that's a win. Yep. Work from home. Tell me about uh, work from home, Alejandro. So yeah, it's it's tough, right? So we've we've been accustomed to working from home at Elsevier for for quite a while. So when I came on to Elsevier five years ago, 
I, you know, I was already designated a work from home employee. I had been a work from home employee for Cantar Media before that. So it, it wasn't anything new to me, but, but, but it is very different being work at home all the time, right? So it, it does present its challenges, of course, both on the professional front and on the personal front. Um, you know, it, for me, professionally, the, the most difficult part about it is just not being in, in, you know, in a client's face, right? Like having that, that back and forth with a client where you can, you can read the body language, you can understand uh, what they're thinking and, and what they're saying better than you can either over a video call or, a, or even a, a regular call, right? So it, it just, it presents a lot of, a lot of challenges. And one of the things that, that, that you guys talked about was the travel restrictions earlier. And I think one of the big, uh, like, losses for me from, from, from being out there, from going to the conferences and traveling to, to see clients and so forth, is actually, like, that competitive intelligence that I get, right? Like, understanding what is it that our competitors are doing. Our, and, and it's a friendly industry, right? So we're, we're all very friendly with each other throughout the industry. So we know, you know, there's something new that they're doing, something exciting that they're doing, but also the challenges, right? Are they shared challenges? Are they unique challenges? I think that's one of the things that has me most uncomfortable right now is, is that lack of knowledge, right? That lack of how, how is it for everybody else? Am I, is, am I alone in this or is everybody else feeling the same pain? Yeah. And Sumner, we can maybe go back to you and you can maybe hit a little bit more in detail, you know, in-person events, some on the you know sales side, that's their bread and butter, right? Yeah. We're, we're trying to get as creative as we can. I know I was talking to one rep the other day and he says, you know, I used to go to these conferences and I would prospect aside from just seeing the, the accounts that I talk to on a regular basis. And I get a lot of new people and he's having to learn how to prospect using, you know, LinkedIn and just Google searches. And that's a, that's a new challenge for him because he's used to getting a lot of new opportunities from a conference. Now he's got to find other ways to get that same information. Yeah, I was just going to say for, for us on, on the marketing side, right, I, I think this um, now lack of face-to-face -face meeting really just kind of opens up the I guess, a, a trumpet that a lot of marketers have kind of been um, blaring for a while, which is you can't just have one approach, right? This needs to be omni-channel. It needs to be surround sound, you know, insert uh, marketing verbose there, um, you know, whichever one you choose. But you need to address each one of these physicians, not only in a personal way, um, but based on the channel that they prefer. And yes, there are a huge amount of physicians that are now missing out on that interaction that they would get through those events, whether that's understanding new medications, whether that's the, the networking that they achieved at that conference, um, or even if you think about it from a sales rep perspective, you know, now not having the ability to go into um, that physician's office and being in a place where they can only communicate digitally. Well, now new things have propped up, like, like uh, Zoom fatigue. Nobody really wants to have those types of meetings anymore. Um, you know, and so it really opens the door for this uh, multi-tiered kind of communication plan where you really need to address these folks, not only through print channels, but through digital channels, um, you know, wherever they may be. Um, and now we know that that's, you know, not going to be in Orlando. So we've got to... You got to find a new spot and a new way to address them. Any intelligence from your side of when we might start to see in-person events or are the associations and the meetings teams really 
making contingencies for fall? Are they making contingencies, you know, late fall, December or 2021? Well, I can tell you from the societies that I work with and talk to, they're already starting to cancel some of their events, at least their live events in the fall. I think RSNA just recently canceled, which is uh, late November. Uh, but they are going to be doing it all online. So when I say cancel, I have to be careful here. It's just canceling in person. Yep. And how we in ad sales work with our society partners to develop new opportunities that are more online based. That's what we're doing currently. And so with some of our other societies, they've reached out to us and said, we're going to be canceling this, but what can we do as an alternative to some of the on-site promotions that the journal was participating in? And we've had to get creative. We used to do a little jump drive abstract supplement at a conference that was distributed to attendees. Well, now we're customizing that to a target list and polybagging it with the journal in the same or following month. So there are some new ideas that are helping us come up with a way to still get the content out to the right people. One society, by the way, even suggested they would send us their attendee list or their registered list as a way that we could market just to them if somebody wanted to hit the same people that were planning to come to the show. Very gracious of them. Yeah. Out of the box thinking, you know, again, a crisis, uh, you know, turns some new ideas. Um, you know, we, I heard that something a little earlier, just so we were on the topic of this whole idea of working from home. Uh, one of the things that I run into a lot when the reps I talk to is they've got kids at home and they're saying that their schedule is crazy. You know, they're being, a mom, they're being the school teacher, they're being the maid, they're being the cook, they're doing everything. And one of the things that we've had to do at Elsevier is give these employees a lot more flexibility in terms of their time. So if you've got class at a certain time during the day, but you can find some time at night to catch up, or even if you just need to take some time off, Elsevier is trying to be pretty flexible to help people do that. Yeah, that's great to hear. Anything else on the company culture, you know, cohesiveness i've heard you know it's difficult you know uh, you you know to ha you can't get donuts and everybody sit around the office or <laughs> you know take that coffee you know that coffee or smoke break although i don't know if that's appropriate for a medical media uh podcast but um you know hey we did something recently that was kind of fun uh uh the sales team wanted to come up with we have these zoom meetings now every other week and it's a chance not only to talk business, and we do share success stories, we share challenges with everybody, but we're also trying to make it a social time. And so we've been uh, sharing a little bit about each individual, and I'll be honest, we're actually getting to know some of the, uh, the, you know, the folks that are on this team even closer than the days that we were getting together once every other month. Uh, another thing that I thought was interesting is the team decided to submit a TikTok video. So everybody... <laughs> Contributed their own little piece of it. Somebody edited it together, and somewhere out there on TikTok is the Elsevier display ad sales team. I've been somewhat blown away by the, um, I guess, the, the way that the senior management team at Elsevier has really addressed the crisis. I think they've taken a, a fantastic approach of almost over communicating, but, um, you know, from a um, employee standpoint, it's been fantastic. I think, you know, they, they've had a, a multi-pillared approach of addressing needs of the community through developing their um, COVID-19 resource center. I think they've done a fantastic job in terms of taking care of their colleagues, like Elsevier was saying, or 
Elsevier, like Sumner was saying, um, in terms of providing very, um, I guess, very lax um, work-life kind of flexibility as far as when and where you have to work um, in, in terms of the typical hours of the day, which has been great. Um, and then also still being very customer facing, right? And um, telling everybody, you know, that it's not so much about the sale at a time like this, but is really about really improving that partnership. So ensuring that the communications are still strong between you and your customers um, and, and not pushing them for dollars as much as insight, information, um, and, you know, again, excelling that partnership forward. So once we're in this new normal, they realized that we were there to help and not there to sell. Yeah, that's a different conversation and a, and a you know a, a turn of that message that you know if everybody was sitting in the same room, it might be easier to embark or impart that doing it over Zoom or through email. You know, you got it. You know, the nuance of that message probably is is a little bit more difficult, right, Sumner? Yeah, I mean, we've um, reps that are calling on clients sometimes they're dealing with the same life issues that the sales reps are that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Just be very sensitive to that. One rep talked about, you know, being sensitive to when I can even call and what makes sense for them. And if you know them well enough, you can kind of learn where it makes the most sense and what they need. But as Dennis alluded, we've got to make sure that we are information providers and not just seeking a business every time we call. Does anyone um, have one new thing, one new thing, a new workflow, a new technology that you've instituted and you think will continue uh, in your organization or your department beyond the health crisis? I mean, I think the silence maybe comes from the fact that it's, it's, it's these video conferences, right? So I think we have become very accustomed to them now, right? They're almost like, uh, they're, 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 they're just a, a, a way of life now for us. So I think we have started to use them much more now than we used to. I think we've all become more comfortable with them to the point where, where as Dennis mentioned earlier, there's some fatigue to it. I, I, I would certainly say that at the beginning of, of this lockdown, uh, that everybody was jumping onto the Zooms or the Microsoft Teams or the Google Meets and whatever, and they were happily showing their videos and sharing a smile and so forth. But I think as time has gone on, that's stopped a little bit so that you see less and less of that and there's more just this audio on these on these meetings but i think that has definitely become a, a a part of 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 our business now it's it's something that we're going to continue to do i think we also are using the im system uh of those of those systems much more than we did in the past uh just checking in on on our colleagues on on our teams etc to see how they're doing and, and maybe using it more in a, in a more, in a less professional manner than, than we had in the past. Right. Just, um, you know, one of the things I thought was funny is that, uh, I've actually, not only have I gotten to know my colleagues better, but their families as well. Right. So like knowing who, you know, how many kids they have and who their kids are, their wives, their, their husbands, et cetera. Uh, but I, I thought the funniest thing was like one time a kid came in and was like, Hey, Dad, is that Alejandro? Is that that guy Alejandro? And he's like, "Yeah, shut up." He's like, <laughs> and I, I think he was like ready to tell him, like, you know, say something that this guy had said about me before. And it was just, it was really funny, right? Because obviously our families know the people that we work with through us, and we all have opinions of them, and we share and so forth. And and I think it's 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 uh, it's interesting to 
to to see that uh, to see that that uh, that grow that your knowledge grow of, of of those of those things that weren't evident before. A new definition of work life balance during the pandemic, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> So continuing along yeah. those lines, Alejandro, you know, I've heard that you, you have a, you know, a, a little story about something that has not worked well during the pandemic. You want to maybe share that? In yeah, a- definitely. So, so as, as, uh, as we noticed at the beginning of the call, you know, I've got some technical challenges. So how am I supposed to, 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 to function in this environment? Right. So uh, now that we're home and it's, it's crazier because I've, I've got a new laptop that I got just a month before the shutdown came. And for some reason, um, it's very touchy. So it's very sensitive about uh, letting me do both audio and video on it. So I have to do my audio on a phone and my video on the, on the laptop. And, and it's tough, right? So I mean, the, the IT departments are very helpful. And, and, and it's just, you know, but it's, it's frustrating, right? So you have a new laptop, you've got all this technology and, and, and the, the, the things that you critically need now, your phone and your laptop, you know, for some reason at times aren't working. And that, that, that gets to be a little bit frustrating at times. Interesting. Yeah. That's where the patience and flexibility comes in. Yeah. (laughs) Two words everybody uses to describe me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say it. You said it. Um, uh, Dennis, we'll, we'll, we'll do the final question. We'll start with you. Dennis, what are you most looking forward to when the stay-at-home restrictions are lifted and, and the economy really starts to, to open up and, and, and the offices might start to open up at least in, in, under you know, newly imposed guidelines? Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Is this a fair question to ask right now? Is is the light <laughs> close enough that we can start seeing it? I don't know, but um, yeah, I I think and and I would imagine Sumner and Alejandro will probably echo this, but um, you know, our business is really reliant on those face to face interactions, whether that's internally or externally with customers. Um, for some of the reasons that Alejandro was mentioning before, is it just the networking? Is it the insights that you gather? Is it the competitive intelligence? Um, or is it just the, the personal touch, right? I mean, I think uh, media sales is one that's built on relationships. Um, and I think some of those barriers that have now been put in, in place, um, you know, even though we can still connect and communicate, um, it, it definitely has caused some, some rifts and some challenges. So I'm really looking forward to um, being able to head back into the New York office, being able to travel again a little bit more globally to see customers, to see um, internal colleagues as well. Um, you know, I think we, we are still in a business where we get a lot of, at least from my side, a lot of joy from those face-to-face interactions. And um, as much as a kind of stopgap this Zoom is, I, um, I'm, I'm ready for the other side. Sumner, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I can echo that. I know I used to say, oh, I'm traveling so much. My gosh, it's just too much travel this month. And now I'm kind of looking forward to the day when maybe I get to go to a conference again, because I actually enjoyed the time uh, with colleagues and with uh, the clients that we work with. And I, I do miss that. So 
getting back on the road, uh, I actually think it would be a good thing. Hopefully restrictions will be listed and will be lifted and we'll all be a lot safer to be able to do it. Alejandra? The foundation of an outside salesperson is, is the relationships that we build and, and, and we miss those, right? So they're, 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 they're not gone, but they're definitely not the same as they used to be and we're not able to cultivate them like we used to. And I think just getting back out and seeing our clients and seeing our colleagues and, and, and the others in the industry is just, it's just going to be, it's going to be really nice to have that again, to experience that. That is all for this episode of AMM Conversation, official podcast of the Association of Medical Media. Thank you for listening. Make sure to join us next week as we continue exploring the new normal in medical media. More information on the new normal in medical media is available at ammonline.org. Make sure to listen and subscribe to the AMM Conversation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the guests and not necessarily to the host, AMM, or any other group or individual.